Good morning, my name is Lindsay Searle. I'm the Women's Ministry Leader at the church and I have the honour of bringing our Bible reading today. If anybody doesn't have a Bible, there are some free Bibles at the back of the church which are a gift for us to you, for you to take home. The reading today is Psalm 19. So Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they have no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into the, all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of the chamber, like a champion rejoicing to the run its course. It rises in one end of the heavens and makes a circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is a great reward. But you can discern, but who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden flaws. Keep your servant also from willful sin. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent to great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be this morning. My name's James. I'm one of the pastors here, and I've got the joy of opening up God's Word this morning. If I haven't met you, I'd love to meet you after today's service, um, and I'd love to get to know you more. Please have your Bibles open in front of you. We're going to go to Psalm chapter 19 as we continue our series in the Summer of Psalms. Um, but just a couple of things. Um, I'm away. I'm going to be away for about three weeks this Tuesday morning. I'm flying out to go overseas. So I'm away for about three Sundays. I'm going to be going to Turkey, Greece. I'm going to get to see the old city of Corinth. I'm going to spend a bit of time in Jerusalem. Uh, so I'm going to be going over there for three weeks. So please be praying for me as I'm away um, on a study tour, but also just getting to see the, the, the early steps of how the church grew and the things that they faced. So please be praying for me. Pastor RJ is going to be back this week as well. He's back on board. He's been having a week off, being refreshed and re-energized. Please be praying for the staff and for all of us that over January we can reset, refocus and be refreshed. So please be yeah, praying for me as I, as I head out overseas on, on Tuesday morning, but also looking forward to what God's going to show me and, and just get a bit of a hint into the early church, but also get a, a hint into a bit of a Jerusalem and, and things like that as well. But let me pray for us this morning before we come to God's word in Psalm chapter 9. And this morning, what we're going to do is um, we read the whole of Psalm 19. We're not going to, we're really looking at the first six verses. 
Um, so we're going to look at the first six verses this morning and a little bit in between, but we're primarily going to be focusing on the first six about creation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come now to your word and we ask that you will speak to us. May your spirit be at work within our hearts. Lord, may your word come to life for us. Calm our hearts, calm our minds, take away the distractions of our week, all the week to come. Father, help us to delight in it, to, to, to love it more than honey from the honeycomb, to, to just want to enjoy you and to delight in you. And like the words of that song, we want to know you, Jesus. We want to know you more and more. And may that be the meditation of our hearts today as we leave and go out into this week wanting to know you more and to delight in you more each day. And we pray this for the sake of Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. The Psalms are, the Psalms are filled with real life. It, it, it's the stuff that as you read it, you have those moments of great joy, great happiness, moments of great praise. But as you read the Psalms as well, it's real about darkness. It's real about suffering as you read the Psalms or as you pray the Psalms, I think the Psalms are a great tool to use to pray. But as you read them, as you pray through them, as you read them and meditate on them, you find that they cover the whole diversity of life, of the ebbs and flows, of the ups and downs. They sort of are a, a real reality check. Some Psalms orientate with us. Some Psalms we get. Other Psalms we come to in our distress and yet it reorientates us. Psalms are times where we need to stop and, and it really gives us a reality check of the world that we're in and how we're thinking. And it wants you to reorientate and think how you should think about the things of this world. And this Psalm is a bit of a psalm that I think reorientates us, it retunes us, it, it gets us to rethink and to recalibrate on life. The last couple of weeks for me have been quite busy, quite crazy, it's been Christmas, it's not really been the time where I've been able to sit back and relax, and because I'm going away on Tuesday, that heightens life, and you're trying to pack your luggage, your bags, you're trying to do all these different things, and you just think, I just don't even have time to pop my head above water just to take a breather. And you just feel like, man, when am I going to stop? Maybe coming out of 2022, as you're heading to 23, you feel like that. Maybe there's moments where you feel like, I just don't have time to raise my head above the water and just take a moment to breathe. A young mom or a young dad here, and you just think, like, man, I just get no sleep. 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 you just wake and then the baby, they just wake up at 5 a.m. and you just feel like life is so chaotic that you don't have time to just get that head above water and to take a breath. Or maybe you're here and, and you've got school holidays. You're off school and it's just so, it's, you're just so busy and so engrossed in your video games, in your Nintendo, your Xbox or Fortnite, whatever it might be. And, and your mum and dad only see you when you pop your head to go and get a bit of food and to get a, a, get a drink and you pop back into your room. And it's just like you've only got a few moments to pop your head above water and to take a breath. It might be with your career as well. Maybe as parents or as workers or even as you've got, as you move on in life, as you retire, there's those moments where you just feel like, I thought retirement was meant to be this, 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 and you just want to feel like you want to pop your head above water for a moment just to take a breath. 
Psalm 19, I think it's a psalm that wants to reorientate us. It reorientates us to the rhythms of life. It reorientates us so that we don't just go around without popping our head above water. But it wants to reorientate us to have a bigger picture of what's really going on. And so as we come to Psalm 19, we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 6 primarily this morning. And it's one point today. There's one thing that we're to take away. I've changed it up today. It's January 2023. It's one point and one question. And the point is, the one thing that you need to take away today to reorientate yourself is that creation speaks of God's honour. Creation speaks of God's honour. It speaks of God's glory. And Psalm 19 is designed in a way for us to stop and to reorientate and to be reminded, wow, let's stop and remember that God is the creator of this universe and it speaks of his honour and who he is. And it's meant to make us know who, it's to go, wow, look at this creation that we live in. Every year we go on holidays up to the far north New South Wales coast. It's about probably about 20 minutes, half an hour south of the Queensland border. And we go to a place called Hastings Point and we go to a caravan park there. And there's this little creek called the, the, the Cudjon Creek and it flows. We go fishing there, it flows out to the ocean, white sand. And we swim there, we fish there, we go to the ocean there. And just on the point, obviously it's called Hastings Point because there's a point in the horizon, and and, and you walk out to the point and you walk across rocks. Sometimes we're fished off them, but on high tide they're covered, on low tide they're open, and there's just rocks, 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 and these little pools of water, and we have walked over them and over them, and it's just like we're on a mission, we've got so much to do, that we're going to go fishing, we're going to go swimming, that we walk over it, and it's just like walking over rocks. There's not much there really. But over the last couple of years, the caravan park that we stayed in, they offer this rocky shoreline adventure and our boys love it. And so what the caravan park does is they get a marine biologist in and you go for a walk along the rocky shoreline. And the marine biologist makes you stop and look. And we've walked across these rocks numerous times and this marine biologist just says, look at the life there. Stop, get down on your knees. Just be quiet for a moment. And all of a sudden, when you're with a marine biologist, it just comes to life. Sea urgents, seaweed, the the crabs, the fish. and, and, And you're just amazed at the diversity, the ecosystem that's just there in one rock pool. And and we needed that marine biologist for us just to stop for a moment. And he says, have a look at that. And you're just blown away by the diversity of creation, by the diversity of the plants, the animals and everything that's there in those little ponds. And we are the last ones to leave. Our boys love it, my three boys. And they just, they get to touch these spiky things. They get to look and try and grab a a shell that's got a crab in it. And and because we went with that marine biologist, we stopped. And we were blown away. Psalm 19 is a psalm that reorientates you to stop because creation speaks of God's honour, of God's glory. Look at verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. I can imagine this scene of David, this shepherd boy. He's out with the sheep, he's feeding them, making sure they get water. He's in the sun and the sun's belting down on his head and he moves the sheep, he feeds them and he just stops and he 
sits under a tree to get a drink and he sees the sun. Or he sits there at night with a fire cooking a meal and he looks up and he sees the millions of stars in our Milky Way galaxy and he writes these words and he says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. He praises God. He reminds us that we've been created for the glory of God. The splendor and the beauty of the moons and the stars, the sky and all that's there, they speak and they testify of a God who created, a God who is splendorous, amazing, and the beauty and the wonder of the one who created such diversity and whose hands have made those things. It's incredible, he says. And see, David, he just focuses on the heavens. He doesn't even get to planet Earth. He just focuses on the, the, the universe that we're in. Now, I believe that the Earth orbits around the sun once a day. And every one second, the sun, one second. So over the next 10 seconds, you can times this figure by 10 times. The sun's fusion processes are convert, converting 700 million tonnes of hydrogen into helium and in so doing 0.7% of the hydrogen, hydrogen matter becomes 5 million tons that disappear as pure energy like that's huge that's just the sun let alone the millions of stars in our Milky Way galaxy let alone a so I don't know how scientists work this out saying that there's more than like 50 million galaxies in our universe like that's phenomenal and it speaks of the splendor of God, the gloriousness of him. And King David, he says, the heavens declare the glory of God. There's moments where you sit on your front porch and you see the sun in all its radiance. You, you sit on the back porch and you see the stars, if you can, through the smog of Sydney. You know, you, you sit there at a river or the ocean and, and you're just mesmerized by it. That's God's goodness. That's God's design. It's his provision. And the Bible says, not one star falls from the sky without God knowing. And this display of God's glory, it's not just a once-off thing. Did you notice there in verse 2, it's day after day they pour speech. Verse 2, night after night they reveal knowledge. Seven days a week. Day after day, it's, it's nothing new, but it keeps displaying that. And not one ounce, not one piece of the earth misses out. Not one corner of the earth escapes this. Look at verse 4. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. <clears throat> In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. <clears throat> Creation speaks of God's glory. And in a way, it, it does it out of joy. It, it's doing it out of praise. That's what verse 5 is talking about. It's joyful. It's meant to be this language of joy. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run the course. It's a sense of joy and happiness. You can picture the, the picture, can't you, of a, a young man engaged. And it's the day of his wedding and he's with his mates and he comes out of the house and he's filled with joy because he gets to marry his bride today. Or it can mean that or it could mean 
He's been married the night before. He spent the night with his beautiful bride and he comes out the next day with a smile on his face, rejoicing with great joy. And the sun every day comes up and goes down. The moon comes up and it goes down. Creation speaks of the glory of God and and it has this voice that that loves to to display the beauty and the wonder of who God is. But look at verse 3 for a moment. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them. It's an interesting verse there because what what he's saying is they, they show us something, they reveal and unveil something about God and the beauty and the wonder of intelligent design, but we can't know God through creation. We can't actually get to know his character. See, in in theological terms, we often call this general revelation and special revelation. General revelation is the the earth tells us something, that there is a God. It's it's obvious that there's intelligent design. There's, There's something about this world that's just incredibly amazing But Romans chapter 1 tells us that we've suppressed the truth. That's all of us in this room, Romans goes on to say. We have suppressed the truth. God's made himself known, but we've suppressed that with our sin and our wickedness. So general revelation is we can't actually get to know God, but we can know that there is a God. There's some sort of unveiling. But special revelation is a theological term which means To know God and to find salvation is God needs to make himself known. And how does he make himself known? He makes himself through the word of God. As Christians, how does God make himself known? How does God reveal himself to us? He reveals himself to us through the pages of scripture. That's special revelation. You need special revelation to be saved. You need to hear about Jesus. Noticing that there's a son that's being created will not save you. But Psalm 19, it's it's this beautiful general revelation that creation reveals. But there's more to it than just letting us know that God's created the world. Do you notice it said he he pitched the sun, it's like a tent in the sky. See, for, for us today, more than likely living in Western Sydney, I don't look at the sun and the moon and consider them that they're gods that will save me. I don't picture them as, I just picture them as that mass of hydrogen, whatever, whatever, you know, it's just matter. But in the ancient world, for the nations that surrounded Israel, the sun was a god. The river was a god. The, the moon was a god. See, they worshipped the sun. The sun was seen as a god of justice. They would worship the moon, <clears throat> but they didn't really know them. And so as life went on for people in the ancient Near East, they would see something go wrong with life and go, I need to appease and make myself right with the God. Is it the sun God? Is it the river God? They didn't actually know who they were, but they would bow down and they would make sacrifices, burnt sacrifices. They'd even sacrifice their kids. They'd do so many things just to try and make the gods happy. They didn't know who they were trying to make. Let's try the God of the sun. And yet David, in God's word, tells us, that the sun is not a God. It's not a God, but it's something that God has created. See, people have been bowing down to the sun and to the moon, 
hoping to gain life and purpose and meaning. But David tells the Israelites, just remember the sun is what God has created. It's not something to be bowed down and worshipped. You won't find life in the sun or the moon or the stars. They're not gods, but the one true God created them with a purpose. And that purpose is to glorify God. You and me were created with purpose. We were created for the glory of God. That means we have purpose and meaning. See, the creation is for the glory and exaltation of God. See, creation is for the glory of God, not the worship of humanity. It's something beautiful that God's given us. It's something for us to enjoy. If God has created it, we can take great pleasure in it as we delight in God who has made it. It's okay to enjoy the world God has made. Whether it's a waterfall, kakadu experience, whether you catch a train on the Rockies through the Rocky Mountaineer or whether you go to New Zealand, whether you go and do a a coastal walk here in the Royal National Park, whatever it is, we are able to enjoy that and have hearts that should be reorientated to praise God. Next time you're on a bushwalk, think about, oh, wow, look what God has done. Next time you enjoy going to the beach, look what God has done. To have hearts of praise to him. It means it's really good to enjoy a T-bone steak that's medium rare. It's really good to enjoy Kilopatric oysters and lobster and salad and salmon. It is really good to wake up in the morning and smell the aroma of coffee beans, freshly ground and a latte just ready to go. And you just think, wow, God, how incredible you are. It's incredible to enjoy a good curry and the spices and the tongue God has made us. And the spices that you can get from around the world and you can eat that and you just go, wow, how good is God? And you can even enjoy tea, you know, tea too. If you're into tea, you know, that's an, that's an incredible thing. There's so, like, there's so many things that we can, we, we can enjoy because God has given us. And we praise him for that. See, Psalm 19 wants to just reorientate us. It wants to retune us to go, right, creation isn't a God. You're not meant to find purpose and meaning and fulfillment in it. But it's meant to attune you to praise the one who created. Because see, I don't know about you, but the reality is I think our hearts don't always worship the creator. But creation wants to retune and, and, and helps us lift our eyes to him. Because I think there is a fine line between that treadmill that we walk of enjoying creation and then worshipping creation. The creation that's a good thing, but it becomes a, a God thing. When creation drives our desires, our needs and our wants instead of the God who created those things, who we're supposed to find our greatest joy in, and we start to commit idolatry. We start to worship those things. So we have that tendency to find life, purpose, and meaning in spouses, in careers, in holidays all the time. Like there's, all of us have different things. We're trying to find purpose and meaning when actually our greatest joy is found in God. 
John Piper says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So I think in a way creation almost yearns, it tells us that you won't find satisfaction in creation. <laughs> have you tried it today? If you're here and you don't know Jesus or you're even here and you're someone who doesn't, have you actually tried to find satisfaction in the created order? Whether it's a relationship and you find the love of your life and you get married and you realise that you're finding a satisfaction in her or him and, and all of a sudden it just it falls apart because they're, they're not the saviour of the world. Or there are times where you, you find you know, your, your satisfaction in the things of this world, in your job or your career, or, and, 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 and you're, you're finding satisfaction in them, and then eventually they, they die, they pass away, or, or, or the job takes a different hurt, and, and, and your satisfaction is left gone. But God, is, we can find full satisfaction in God. That's what this Psalm 19 does. It wants to retune you. It honours God when you praise him for creation. But it robs God when creation becomes your God. <clears throat> creation speaks and testifies of God's glory. I, um, I love asking, you know, especially young kids or your, or your own family, I ask, you know, what, what's your favourite colour? And kids come out with incredible colours. Have you ever tried picking paints for renovating a house? It's like it's, you don't know which paint to have because paint and colours... They mean something. They tell you something. They, 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 they affect the way you feel. They, they affect the climate. And so you've got to pick the right colours. But there is something about all colours that is just magnificent. The depth and the breadth. You get a coloured chart and you think, look at the colours we can make. It's incredible what God has enabled us to do. But it speaks of his glory. It's, it's meant to, to go to him, the honour and the praise beautiful artwork and colours and music, it speaks and testifies to God's glory. So here's that one thing that this Psalm 19 wants you to take away, is creation speaks of God's honour. It, it wants to reorientate us to be reminded of this week that as we go out, it speaks of those things. And so here's one question I want to ask us today is, do you stop? Do you take time to stop and reorientate? Do you take time to stop and reorientate? Next slide. The sun rises and the sun sets. Every day it proclaims the routine of everyday life. And yet I wonder do we become so complacent and bogged down with the busyness of just trying to get our head above water, just to take a breath and go back down because we're trying to find satisfaction in the world. But do we actually take time to stop and reorientate? To enjoy a good coffee, to enjoy a good sunset, to just stop and enjoy the way that God has made you and your family. Does it, do you take time to stop and reorientate? It's interesting because it's written thousands of years ago and modern day psychology is telling us that all of us just need to stop a bit more and, and take a break and look around us. To get out, go for a walk, to get out, do some exercise, to get out and enjoy. And, and yet it's the way God's designed us. But do you take time to stop and to reorientate? I love this quote by G.K. Chesterton. He says this, he says, Because children have a bounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, 
do it again, Dad. Do it again, Mum. And the grown-up person's like, they do it again until they're dead, nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt in the monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in the monotony. That's the regular. Uh, God is strong enough to exalt in the monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but never gets tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy. For we have sinned and grown old and our father is younger than we. Do you take time to stop and to reorientate? Or has sin in our lives suppressed the truth that we forget to see God in all of this? Because as Christians, as followers of Jesus, if you're here today, our eyes have been opened to the glory of God. And as we stop and we listen to the testimony of creation, all we can do is lift up our voices and praise him and sing over and over. And it's good for our hearts to sing. What a beautiful picture to reorientate. Do you take time to stop and to reorientate your life? It's an incredible psalm, but I just want to, I want to just for, for a moment, just, just move in the psalm into another spot. Because see, in Psalm 19, verses 1 to 6, it's about creation. God speaks. You might notice there it says the word God. God, that's Elohim, that's El. It's the word for God, the God who created the heavens and earth in Genesis chapter 1. But have a look at verse 7. In the rest of the, the psalm, it moves now to Yahweh, moves to the Lord. What, what David's doing is here, the, the creation reveals that the general revelation of God, of God. But then in verses 7 to the end of Psalm 19, it moves to the word Yahweh. And Yahweh is that, the, it's God who spoke to Moses in the burning bush. It's God who rescued and redeemed the, the Israelites out of Egypt. It's a God who you can personally know, who dwells in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. See, he shifts to go, but you can know the God, you can know God personally. Through his word. Because I wonder if there's a contrast here for us today as Christians. This attitude emerges. See, we can be often enthusiastic about enjoying creation. We can be enthusiastic about bringing glory to God while we enjoy an incredible steak, a great coffee, a great tea, um, our great waterfall. And as you travel the world, we can be enthusiastic and delight in those things as we praise God. But Psalm 19 goes further. Because yes, it's good to do that. But there's a contrast with the rest of the chapter. Do you have more joyful enthusiasm for the law of the Lord? Because as you look at the beauty and the wonder of creation, it won't give you life. But Yahweh's instructions are designed to give the giver of life. 
Have a look there at verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Now, I remember I mentioned last week the law is often instruction, not just the Ten Commandments of Moses on the, on, on the hill. It's refreshing the soul. Look at verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Look at verse 10. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the, the honeycomb. See, Psalm 19, in a way, it's actually a challenge to us as Christians. You can love that great steak. You can love that great waterfall. You can love that incredible butter chicken. And I can rave about it. I can rave about my beachside holiday. But do you delight in the law of God more? Do you look forward to depending on his word more than you do the surf to get a kick out of life? See, it's this picture of we can enjoy creation, but do you actually delight in God himself? Yes, it's great to eat honey from the honeycomb, but do you realize that the word of God is more beautiful than honey from the honeycomb? Do we delight in that more this year? If we want to know Jesus more and more, as we've just sung, the way to know Jesus more and more is to read his word, to delight in it. Because you were created for his glory. If creation sings their creator, how much more can we shout out about our creator? And it gives us purpose and meaning. See, if you're here today and you're not a Christian and you think, I want, I want God just to make himself known to me. In a sense, the world and the world that we live in, it's, I think we're, you've got to go, it's pretty incredible the universe that we live in and just didn't just happen out of nothing. But if you're here today and you go, I just need to know who God is, you're not going to get to know him through creation. <laughs> you, you'll get to know him through the Bible. And I encourage you to read that, to read the Gospel of Mark or John or just to actually investigate who Jesus really is. Because see, David knew that actually what's better for us is the word of God, to delight in that. But we suppress that truth. But God in his grace and his mercy sent Jesus into this world, the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. The one who, who placed the planets in the universe, who placed the stars and placed you here came into our world as a baby and who died on a cross for us. And that, that, that song that we sing, it says, See the king who made the sun, the moon and shining stars, was the very one who the soldiers nailed to the cross. The dust that formed the watching crowds takes the blood of Jesus. But death could not hold him down. And the song says, so lift your voices to the one who is seated on the throne. See, as we delight in Jesus, we bring glory to God. See, we are to bring glory to God and God alone in all that we do and we say. So let's lift our voices to the one who's seated on his throne.
may we be like the end of verse 14 where it says, the Lord my rock and my redeemer. And as we sit there and we reflect and we delight in Jesus, see, who do we delight in? Now we delight in Jesus. He is sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. It's in him who we find great delight. And Psalm 19 wants to reorientate our thinking again and again and again every day to remember to delight in God. We were redeemed for his glory. Creation speaks and testifies of God's glory. So let's lift our voices to God because all the glory belongs to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we look at this creation of yours and it's just so diverse, so incredible, so wonderful that we want to praise you for it. But at the same time, we need to say sorry that we've found life, meaning and purpose in the things that you've created rather than you, the creator. But Father, may our hearts, we want to yearn to know you more. We want to love you more. And so Father, as we journey into 2023 as a church, may we be people who are actively stopping and reorientating and just wanting to delight and saturate ourselves in your good instruction found in the Bible. Father, may we delight and saturate ourselves in the good news of Jesus, to delight in him, Christ who died the death that we should have died. He lived a life that we could not live. He took the wrath that should have been poured on us. He rose from the grave and in him we can find life and now we can, with the help of the Spirit, glorify you all our days. And Father, we pray that we'll be a church that does that to delight in you, to bring you the honour and to bring you the glory. Thank you for not sparing your son. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that you've laid upon us. Amen.